Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Like, this is quality entertainment. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackey and Judd. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. Questions coming out of the bullpen early today. Like a fifth, fifth, sixth inning appearance here for questions. <laughs> Must mean it was a bad first two hours. It, it definitely had Ooh, to have been, yeah. Short start. Yeah. Well, that's tough. Uh, as someone tweets in here, Jeff tweets in off our conversation last segment. Wade and LeBron both went in the same draft. They're both top five. Yeah, yes, but Wade went to college for a few years. Wade is older than LeBron and won a championship in 05. That's my point. When LeBron got to Miami, Wade was older. It was his team, and he had won a championship. And so LeBron deferred too much in that first season. Uh, that that wasn't a problem from that point going forward. Just to just to clarify that. All Fair right, enough. questions. A lot of things have gone wrong in the Twins season so far. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, but hmm, like things have not gone to plan. Well, that's part of the question here. A lot of things that have gone wrong. If you were to ask Falvey and Levine, get them in a room, give them the truth serum, say, okay, we've got this list of issues from suspensions to injuries to guys playing like crap, whatever it's been. If I were to ask you two, Derek and Thad, what one of these problems is the most hard, most difficult for you to believe? That if I had told you this was going to happen before the year, you would have said, come on, come on, it's a lock. That's, that's not going to be an issue. What would their answer have been? I, I would have said Jorge Polanco missing 80 games with a PED suspension. Because you don't. I guess if you were to play the sadistic game of ranking all the Twins players based on are they on PEDs or not, <laughs> I don't think Jorge Polanco would... Should do that next spring. Before yeah. spring training starts, let's do that before someone gets pitched. Yeah. Although, I guess you could say that he was out of minor league options and kind of toiling as a hitter, and then all of a sudden the dude breaks out for three months and he's one of the best hitters in baseball from you know all-star break going forward at a time where it was very advantageous for him to have that Otherwise, the Twins might have, if he didn't do that in the second half, the Twins might have said, ah, you're out of options. I guess we're going to boot you, and now you're, now you're on the waiver train. So it was, it was the, it's the, the logical time to have done. So maybe, I guess I would have said Jorge Polanco, but I might have said Byron Buxton through July 6th, having given you nothing so far this year, other than he, he caught a couple fly balls in April. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know if, if it was guaranteed that he was going to break out before the year, but to say that, like, you'd be sitting here a week before the All-Star break and he's given you nothing because of injury and mostly because he can't hit, make contact, mm-hmm. that would have been really surprising based on what he did in the second half. And it wasn't just feasting on September pitching like he did the year before. 
and Chris Parmalee did that one time, and other guys like Luke Hughes, like anyone can feast on September pitching. He feasted on July and August pitching too, and you thought, okay, yeah. this is finally the light bulb going on. So I would have said Buxton's failures, can't believe it, to this to this level. And Jorge Polanco getting popped out for half the year? Uh, Polanco's a good one, but I, I would say the biggest one would be I would couple Sano and Buxton and say to get nothing from both of them, to have them both just bust, and and not not just struggle, but to the point where, where Buxton gets hurt, and I get that, that that certainly impeded his ability to be effective, but you know he's again lost at the plate. But then, then probably worse, Sano's a Class A? Like, if you had come to them in March no. and been like, hey, Derek, Thad, come here. Yeah, what? I'm going to tell you right now, on July the 6th, Miguel Sano is going to be at Fort Myers. They'd be like, you're absolutely out of your mind crazy. So I would say both of those guys, I think if you had painted a picture where where Buxton struggled and Sano didn't, you'd say, all right, that's not ideal, but it could happen. But to see both these guys in the minors and Miguel Sano at Class A, that to me would be Shocking. One criticism I have heard of of the front office is like how if you knew that there were red flags with Miguel Sano, why wouldn't you try to trade a guy while his value is high? I mean, I ripped the Terry Ryan, Bill Smith front offices. I guess it would have been the Bill Smith front office, and Terry was kind of an kind of an advisor when Delman Young clearly wasn't a guy long term that you would put trust into, but he had that pop up season in 2010, and that was a perfect time to trade him in the off season. That was a first guess, and. And I and I felt the same way about Sano to some degree. Like if you think there's red flags here, we started talking about this a year ago. Like you should look to trade him. I think they if did. You don't think he's their baseman, and they did. Like yeah. yes, they they went to Tampa. They shopped him around, and other teams saw the same thing that they saw, which is I don't know. He's not a he's not a third baseman. Is he a DH? But and for he him, weighs three hundred pounds. And for him to struggle and be out of shape is not completely shocking. For you to have to set a reset button and send him down to Florida, that's what's shocking. Yeah, it's. It's shocking, but in retrospect, it's really not as shocking as you would have if you would have painted that picture in January. But then you sort of backtrack all the I things would we know said, about him. I would have said no. I I would have said maybe Rochester, but I would never have thought that that you would have to send him to Fort Myers and play him every other day and basically stick him on a weight loss plan. Yeah. Oh, Williams is out at Wimbledon. Which Venus, one? Venus, not Serena. okay. Serena's oh. playing right now, though, too. Yeah, she won the, the first set. She's oh, we would have had a double whammy. It could have been. Oh. No, Serena's... Yeah, the, oh, the, the women's bracket is chaos. It's just chaos. It's chaos. Yeah, it's been, for 15 years, it's been Serena Williams <laughs> and a bunch of randos that you can shuffle up that pop up for two years. She's going to win again. All right. Well, I have a Wimbledon question, something I was pondering earlier this week, or maybe it was last week, whatever it was, with intern Max. Pretentious, <laughs> self-important... Precious, name your adjective. Those could be used to describe the championships. Wimbledon, where all the players must wear white. Those are adjectives that could also be used to describe the masters. You got your caddies in your white jumpsuits, azaleas, babbling brooks, calming music, Jim Nance, yes, the Hogan Bridge, <laughs> the Eisenhower Pine, <laughs> Butler Cabin. Yes, I all like the that's best. In Augusta. A clubhouse, it's a cabin. At the Masters. <laughs> it's amazing. CBS. CBS. Which is the more pretentious, self-important, precious sporting event? Wimbledon. I should, sorry. The Championships. Wimbledon. Or the Masters. And if there is a third to put on that list, what is it? Yeah.
on day three day. at the Masters. I still don't think this works. Rory McIlroy. I don't. I don't. Uh, seven under par. I don't get the music there. What the thrill of victory music? Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, love it because then they fade into the Azalea's music. <laughs> I love this so much. Yes, yes. Brought to you by Allstate and Metafast and Metafast. <laughs> but we'll just have... tell them the Rook sent you. <laughs> but we'll have very few commercial breaks because we don't allow them. Brought to you by Josh Arnold. Tell them Patrick sent you, Mister Money Talk. <laughs> What was the question again? The th- if What's more pre- third which is more pretentious? Give- and if there is a third to add to that yeah. list, what is it? I'm going to give you that. That while Wimbledon certainly it comes off as pretentious, I think it's the Masters. I really do. You think it's the what? I think it's the Masters. Thank you. Okay. With all the with all the good old boys from the South, and they've got all perfectly Hootie. quaffed yeah. Georgia hair. Well, and you just said it. I Hootie, mean, Hootie, my Hootie, God, Hootie. my God, you call Doctor. <laughs> you call it a cabin. I mean, you still call it. It's the it's it's the cabin. You go into the cabin and get your green jacket. Would you do the honor Sergio? I mean, they bring the poor guy back. He shot like an eighteen on one hole, and they did have go, to fly. Did he go home him. for think, two days? And I think flew, he went home private back, and they had to fly him back. To <laughs> he present. went home to Spain. Actually, he flew <laughs> across the pond. Yeah, here, put the put the jacket. Probably up. did right. I mean, <laughs> I think it's the Masters. I think that's the most pretentious. Uh, and a third one that is. Uh, Third sporting event that's pretentious. I got one. I'll think about that. Go ahead. It's the Open. The Open, which we're going to see here. Is it next week? The, the Open Brit- Championships. Is it? So it's it's they call it the Open Championships with all their massive Rolex watch ads. And and just if you just took the starter alone, the guy who <laughs> reads off the names mm-hmm. at the first tee, mm-hmm. and uh, he talks like this and from Windermere, Florida, Tiger Woods. Family guy. It's family guy like Jordan yeah. Spieth. Jordan Spieth. It's all just very. It's a the the, the massive Rolex ads. The uh, the preciousness of like the the old buildings and people hanging out in cobblestone. Oh, it's one. very much all right. Very precious. I've got one for you. The America's Cup. Well, sailing, sailing. Oh God, yes. Really? People that sail are despicable for the most part. <laughs> well, well, except for yacht rockers. You listening, Wheeler? <laughs> They are. Yes, it's sailing. It's sailing. It's people in there. Once again, if you dress in white a lot, it says, it says something about you. And people that sail dress in, yes, it's sailing. You're it's, saying if you dress in white voluntarily yes, a lot, Yes, it's right? the America's okay. Cup. It's the America's Cup. It's, it's, really? a, it's such a precious event by... It, by rich people. But you could die in that me. event, right? If the seas get too choppy, oh, you, could you can't die, die at you Wimbledon. Could, you could die on the golf course too. You can't if you're die going on the golf to course. if you're going to hit hit the ball and a bolt of lightning strikes your club, you can get hit. I think Lee they Trevino would probably, probably put you in the, in the I'm going with the America put you in Butler cabin before it got too dangerous. I'm going though. with the America's Cup. All right. I thought somebody might say Super Bowl. I know it's football, but it's awfully self Oh, my God. They're showing this goal again where the, the Argentinian goalie spazzed out and, like, flailed it, the ball Uruguay. with him. I'm sorry, uh, Uruguay, yeah. It looks like he purposely and, let it in. And his teammates looked at him with their, like, one guy puts his arms out and looks at him like, WTF, what are you doing? Yeah. I would investigate <laughs> this. It's like LeBron on JR. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Hands up. What are you doing? What are you happening? Uh, that's great. Let's wrap this up because it is today, gentlemen, celebrating, yeah, for another year, National Fried Chicken Day. Now, humans compete. We like rankings. Phil and Judd rank them on 1500 ESPN. Maybe we did this last year. I don't know, but I don't care. We're going to do it again. 
Give me an all chicken rankum, fried, grilled, <laughs> rotisserie, fingers, chicken on a pizza, chicken in tacos, chicken in some lo mein or fried rice. Give me a top three for whatever you got. An all chicken rankum. Wow, this is okay. I'm gonna. This is number. There's so many places to go here. I with know. This one. It's such a versatile meat. Um, God I, bless poultry. Re- <laughs> <laughs> and God bless America. Um, I, I'm going to give you just a basic chicken quesadilla. Okay, oh, just nothing a, wrong with that. A chicken quesadilla, maybe some a uh, little bit of like medium salsa because the hot stuff is going to give me problems in the morning. Cheese, just, peppers. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> Onion. One, two. Mm-hmm. Number three. All right, number three. This is going to be a controversial top three. So shredded chicken. Without carbs. If you're just looking for something healthy, like shredded chicken with with seasoning, and like you guys ever go to Brasa down the street from here? Yes. The uh, yes. we might, we had a, we, we had, had a show meeting, meeting there a, a couple months ago. ago. Yeah, and you can get like shredded pork, shredded chicken. I just love like a heap of shredded chicken. And this is where we get controversial. You get the good seasoning. Number There's nothing two. wrong with that. So so number one for me is number one is just buffalo chicken wings. This was your answer last year, yeah. I but, remember this. But number two now, I've had a couple. Uh-huh. It's got to be done right. Chicken salad. Not like chicken on your salad, but if it's done right, mm-hmm. chicken salad. That's I'm, With like, that's little, like little cashews no, in there. That's wrong. Maybe some, oh, yeah. maybe no, some, pi- some pineapple, yeah, Dave, too. Dave does not like this idea But are you in on the chicken salad? Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Chicken salad can about. be fine, but it does not belong in this they list. Have, so I stumbled into this one time. I think it's... Uh, stumbled into two. a chicken salad? It's number two. Now listen to this. Have you guys been to ta- any of the tavern restaurants? Yes. Like Tavern on France? So I went to Tavern on France one time, probably two years ago, and I ordered. They had, they had uh, like a pineapple chicken salad. And I thought, oh, it's like... Kind of a summary. It's going to be leaf, leafy greens, and then you get like a chicken breast. I, in my head, it was going to be just a salad with chicken breast cut up. No, it was actually a heap of chicken salad with cashews and pineapple. I love cashews. And strawberries. Love and them. It was amazing. Yep. I'm telling you. No, I'm okay. totally with you. All right, Jack, I love cashews. How many do you want? Uh, number five. Okay, go ahead. Number we five. Only have, we only number have four. Five. Number five. <laughs> just a simple grilled chicken. You can stick it on a sandwich or something. It's actually good for you, which a, a lot of permeations of chicken are not. But you know what? It's simple. It's good. Go. Number four. On my salad. Nice. You get you get lettuce. You get some croutons. You get some tomatoes. You get lots of chicken. Not bad for, for you. Very effective. Once again, healthy for the most part. You don't the partake, you don't partake in either five or four very often, though, do you? If I can, I do. <laughs> Shut up. That would be a no. Number three. Number three is something that I stop and pick up from a cub once in a while on my way home to eat for dinner. Just the rotisserie chicken that, oh, that they sell there. The rotisserie chicken. Now, my only problem is I always eat too much. There's a fine line. There's a fine line of if you know when to stop, it's it's delicious and satisfying. If you don't, it's sort of like oh, I ate too much no. of it for me, and that's that's just no. for me. If it's a rotisserie chicken from any of the grocery stores, they all. But I do love it. the idea. A serving size is one whole. The chicken. only I mean, other yeah, problem, whole thing, yeah. I love the skin on it. The oh, skin God, is yeah. good. I love. I mean, for it's sure. bad for you, but I love the skin. Uh, on or in tacos, it's really really effective. It's good. It's simple. But tacos are delicious. And then, of course, you put Number bad stuff on them. One. 
Uh, number one, I'm going to give you one that I tried not to do much, but oh my gosh, is it good, especially with a big helping of mashed potatoes, and that's KFC chicken. Mm. That skin is so delicious. And I know it's not good, and I know it, it makes you fat. It probably kills you, and it's probably death, but I don't care. doesn't matter. I don't care. I'm talking Worth about it. I'm talking about mashed potatoes, the gravy boat. So so you get the boat going right, and you get the big big pieces of chicken. That's number one. Oh, quality segment there, John. I am just starting. Quality right segment. Now. Mm. <laughs> oh, I'm Chris Singleton in 15 minutes. If Judd can make it that long, Becky and Judd are back. Gentlemen, the moment has finally arrived. On 1500 ESPN. We're looking to add wings. Uh, Qu- uh, Chris Singleton in like 10 minutes. Question here from Andy via email. Mackie and Judd at 1500ESPN.com. Can you guys discuss why you think it's so absurd that the Wolves finish with a better record than the Lakers next season? If you look at their teams as currently stand, I'm not sure why you would put the Lakers in front of the Wolves. So emphatically curious as to your thoughts. I do not put the Wolves ahead of the Lakers emphatically at all. Um, where you guys, where do you guys stand on that? Because I, I think any team with LeBron is a 50 win team. Like any team that LeBron plays on for a full season is a 50 win team, and the Wolves haven't won 50 games in like 15 years. And I'm not convinced the Lakers are done. Yeah, there's certainly more additions that could come, and I think it's more than less likely. Yeah, um, I'm. Well, let me. I guess I'll. I think the Wolves are going to get close to 50 wins, if not win 50. But any team that LeBron is on also wins 50. In fact, the last decade, including Miami and Cleveland, his worst record was this past year. They were 50 and 32, and that included a full wholesale swap of the roster in February, or like yeah, mid to late February, and uh, and they had to learn how to play together. This is a better Lakers complimentary cast than the one he had in Cleveland this year, and they won 50. It'll be tougher for him playing in the Western Conference, obviously. Mm-hmm. Fewer games against the East that he's been able to feast on, but yeah. he's still LeBron James. Yes. I also I also think that uh, I'm starting to factor in here that I'm prepared for the Wolves to be, be more of a dumpster fire just because of all the things going on right now with Butler and Tibbs and Cat. And I don't, tr- I don't trust when things get like this it obviously begins to impact people. Mm-hmm. And I don't trust with where things are going here that this is going to be a cohesive team now. And so I'm starting to factor in for that as well. If the Wolves if the Wolves were on a course here with this present roster and I said, "You know what? It all seems to be working. You do have some players who need to improve, but that being said, it seems like a cohesive group. I think my my tune would be different here." But when I look at the fact that LeBron is now in the West, which makes it it tougher, and when I also examine the fact that the Wolves are starting to have certainly issues that that look like friction, and this is to go back to what we discussed on the Thursday show, Phil, this is not just one report. This is not just one thing. This is multiple reports. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am prepared for the Wolves to take a step back as far as, as what I thought they were building when last year started. Yeah. Here, just here's another glimpse, just for the LeBron factor. Again, like the Wolves are trying to get to 50 wins for the first time since Kevin Garnett, Latrell Sprewell, Flip Saunders, Sam Cassell. The last time a LeBron James team, Miami or Cleveland, failed to reach the 50 win mark in the regular season was 07-08. So you got to go back 11 seasons ago, and that team went 45 and 37. Mike Brown was the coach, 45 and 37. LeBron, 23 years old, so he was still. He was like Andrew Wiggins' age. 
and he was one of the best players, if not the best player in the NBA. He averaged 30 points per game that year. Here were his teammates. Del- oh, this Del- is great, yeah. Delonte West, yep. who I believe was more famous for, was it being with LeBron's mom? Wasn't that the story? That like Delonte West yes. and LeBron's mom yes. had a thing? There was a report. Delonte West, Drew Gooden, Zadrunas Ilgauskas was was the second leading scorer on that team. He was fourteen and nine. He he was a good big man. Larry Hughes was on that team, wasn't he? Larry Hughes, Booby Daniel Booby Gibson, great name. Anderson Verejao, Ben Wallace was on that team too. Mm-hmm. Ben Wallace had left the Pistons at that point, mm-hmm. and he was with the Cavs. Sasha Pavlovich played twenty three minutes a game on that team. Mm-hmm. Devin Brown and Wally Zerbiak each played like twenty minutes a game on that team. That was like Wally. Wally. Right. Joe Smith played 21 minutes a game. Uh, hey, Joe Smith could fit team. in with any team <laughs> as long as you're being paid correctly. Eric Snow played 22 minutes for that team. And yeah, Eric Snow, who was the teamed up with Allen Iverson in the late 90s, early 2000s when those Sixers teams were really good. That's the team he took to even 45 wins. Like He took as a 23-year-old yep. sort of bright-eyed now, dude Now, his competition now is going to be t- tougher, too, in conference. So that could certainly affect his team. For sure. But, but there is no way, if you sit me down right now and say, all right, Timberwolves, Tibbs-led Wolves team with Butler or LeBron James, there's almost no team that I'm, I'm going to say Wolves beat LeBron or Wolves uh, trump LeBron in wins. Yeah. or if, I'd think, be hard-pressed to find that team. I think I brought this up a couple days ago. Like If you were in some crazy life scenario where someone actually had a gun pointed at your head and said, you got to be right on this. Who's going to win more games in the regular season? The Timberwolves or the LeBron James-led Los Angeles Lakers? And you you don't even know if Kawhi Leonard's going to be there. You just have to bet that like LeBron plus teammates cast is yeah. going to win more. Who's going to win more games? Yeah. And and it's life or death for some odd reason. I'm taking LeBron You're every take LeBron. single time. Yeah, for but sure. if you put LeBron on Sacramento, I'd probably say the same. Yeah. There's no LeBron team that I'd be like, ah, I think the Wolves are going to have more wins. Yeah. Now... Almost I, no team I, I can think of. I think the Wolves are for sure going to win 45-plus unless unless there's injuries and complete chaos. I don't think it's going to be as chaotic as maybe it feels like with all these reports. Once everyone gets in the same room and starts practicing, and I think it's going to straighten out to some degree. Now, the end result might be, oh, man, they, they won 47 games, and we're, and we're the nine seed, and now everyone's mad like Butler's not going to come back because they didn't make the playoffs, or they get bounced in the first. But there's a lot of things that could happen that lead to the breakup of this current collection. Sure. But I just I, I still think they're going to be competitive. I would still I would still take a LeBron James Lakers team to win more games to answer the emailer's question. I think that's very, very fair. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that you're going to find one person who says, Yeah, the Wolves, yeah, I think they could be I just I keep looking at the Wolves though. My my uh, my disenchantment with that with this team and franchise just comes from the fact that they have spent the last whatever it is, three months or so continually, seemingly making their life harder than it needs to be. That's what I don't like about it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, the drama's fun to discuss for us, and I'm sure it's fun for people to write about. Uh, so so from our end, it adds intrigue. But if you think about it, if you look at that team and say, I'd like that team to do well, this is completely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not necessary. You don't need to go there. You don't need. You don't need these guys trying to dump on, on Cat. You don't need uh, Butler's agent talking almost ever. Yeah, but they won't stop. Yeah, it's it's annoying. Like I, it drives me nuts. And we can get back into this. We started the show with this. It drives me nuts that the same team Glenn Taylor owns on the women's side just 
has it so perfectly put together for almost a decade. And that's been great. Like we've seen four championships and I was there last night and it was amazing. Yep. And even when things are going good on the men's side, the wolves side, there's strife and reports and, and and to Dave's point, you you do have to include the fact that Moore is a generationally great player. But the Wolves now have Cat. For all the bad luck that that the Wolves had, Mm -hmm. they got Cat as the top overall pick. And Carl Anthony Towns has the chance to be a fantastic player. So he he's your guy where the luck in in the lottery finally went your way. And you're slowly but surely seemingly trying to screw that up. Yes. So that's (laughs) what I don't that's what I don't get. Yeah. Um, all right, we're gonna catch up with Chris Singleton when we come back here. Usually it's 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 talking twins is the brand. We find ourselves because the twins are so bad talking a lot of other things around baseball with him. Uh, but we will, we will ask him about the twins and what to make of things long term. I mean, obviously they're cooked for the season. And also there is a team meeting that took place among the toiling Washington Nationals last night before the Marlins game. They fell down nine to nothing and everyone was making fun of the team meetings. And then they came back and won the game. So we'll talk, uh, we'll talk team meetings and things like that with Chris Singleton as well. Let's first dive into TCL TVs here. That's where we've been watching World Cup all morning on our 55-inch TCL 4K Roku TV. They just put a new one in here a couple days ago. It's The picture quality pops. We love watching sports on this thing. And in honor of Cut the Cord Day, which is tomorrow, TCL is giving away 103 55-inch 4K Roku TVs. Also, a Mohu Blade Antenna to go with it so that you can officially cut the cord and be free of 100 or 200 plus dollar a month cable bills with the Roku device built into the TCL TV you get access to 4000 plus streaming channels which means 450,000 plus TV shows and movie channels if you do have cable or satellite you get those channels on one page so to speak and on the next page you get your Netflixes even your YouTubes your Hulus uh ESPN Pandora you name it. Again, it's cut the cord day tomorrow, and TCL is giving away 103 55-inch 4K, uh, 4K Roku TVs at TCLUSA.com. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I think these guys get each other going. Mackey and Judd. It's a good group of guys. They're just waiting for everything to kind of click again and come back together. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are talking twins now with former player turned ESPN baseball analyst Chris Singleton. All right, Mackie and Judd, every Friday we talk. Well, we've, we have talked twins on this Talking Twins segment. It might be a twins eulogy at some point yeah, today let's stop with Chris for Singleton. Now, okay? but we, ha- all right, we have to ask about the team meeting heard around the world from yesterday where the Washington Nationals, Chris Singleton, ESPN Radio, ESPN Platforms, they hold a team meeting and then fall down 9 to nothing in the first hour against the Marlins, come all the way back, and then they actually almost blew a five-run lead late in the game. But um, what, what did you make of that, and do you have any, any examples of team meetings gone well or team meetings gone awry in your life in baseball? Well, I mean, the first is saying that, you know, the Nationals having this team meeting, it's, it's almost you know long overdue. You know, this is a team that, with all the talent, with all the you know good pitching and and you know around Bryce Harper offensively with players, there just has really been, and we've discussed this as analysts, you know, around you know being around the team. There's just like this missing ingredient. What is it? Where is 
the accountability. Who is the guy, um, whether in the past it was like a Jason Worth or it was someone that, you know, just really provided a mirror, you know, Ryan Zimmerman in some ways, but he's been injured. So for them to have a meeting, and, and usually a, a meeting is not led by a pitcher. It's usually by a position player. Um, so that's still somewhat concerning to me with, you know, all due respect to Max Scherzer and his, you know, illustrious career. Um, most times it's a it's a position player that's leading the meeting because they're going out there and grinding every day. And, and the team and the players defer to that. They know that. But uh, it's great they had one. Um, it was good timing because you never want to have like a team meeting, you know, right before you're about to play like the Red Sox or Yankees or you're going to play like the Dodgers. Yeah, and, it's convenient you know, to pick the Marlins, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, timing, they got that right, um, you know, to make sure they had the, you know, the right matchup so that uh, they could get some momentum um, off the mean, meeting potentially. But, but yeah, I mean, that's the, it, there's, there's concern in Washington um, for this season that, you know, people are, we're looking at it and, we're just not convinced, even with the talent that they have, that they are going to, uh, you know, to win that division. They should potentially with experience and talent and everything else, but uh, just not convinced at this point. Have you ever been involved in one that, as a player during your career, that worked? And more importantly, have you been involved in one where it got called, it was a bad team, and you thought to yourself, why the hell are we even bothering? <laughs> well, I just remember... Uh, in Chicago, um, we had a pitcher, a guy named uh, Jamie Navarro. Yeah, and um, <laughs> it was, you know, he was uh, he was kind of going off in the meeting, and I think he threw some stuff. Um, I know that the year before, the the big screen television had gotten broken um, because of you know an outburst or what have you, and I think it was it was from Jamie, but it, it was one of those things that became <laughs> it became more of kind of a joke afterwards you know like just kind of a funny thing that you talk about you know some of the things that were said in the meeting um then more so uh directly saying like yeah those those words impacted me and motivated maybe just the coming together maybe just you know sobering up a little bit and uh realizing that all right we need to be accountable but i can't think of ever having had a team meeting where it on a conscious level it changed anything you know being in baltimore mike hargrove there are times where he'd come in and I'm like, okay, he's going to let us have it. You know, we know we got a team meeting, you know, after this game. And he would start off, like, really, like, tough and strong. And then, you know, by the middle of it, it was, like, super, like, polite and kind and everything else. And I'm like, man, should have kept it high. Like, you know, kept it tough. You know, it was great. And then, you know, it was going to really get us going. And then, you know, and then you turn it, like, kind of soft. And it's it's more, like, kind of pat you on the butt and it's okay <laughs> it's like so I, i've had mixed messages in meetings and i don't i can't really say that anything on a conscious level i've come away with having felt better for it what's wrong what's wrong in your mind with uh with bryce uh chris and and if things continue to go south for, for the nets do you think that they should give it any consideration with his contract coming up uh to potentially dealing him well i think with bryce first and foremost i mean here's a guy that's not you know he's not getting a ton of pitches you know, in the strike zone, you know, you can look at the numbers and see the periods where it's like, all right, not not getting many um, in the zone, and then, you know, you you have a situation where you want to put up numbers, you want to, you know, fill those columns, and so then you're aggressive, and perhaps you're just, 
you know, overly aggressive or you're just trying to do too much in a limited amount of opportunities in terms of, you know, actually good pitches that you get to hit. So without question, you know, free agency is on his mind. You can see it in his play, even defensively. Um, he's, he's not making the plays that he's made in the past. And I think he's looking to protect himself some. And um, I can't fault him for that. But ultimately, you know, when you're talking about being on a team and being part of a team that should be winning, it's not it's not the best um, look, if you will. And I think if you're a team out there and you're looking at perhaps free agency or whatever, you know, you got to consider you know winners. We we yeah, do we want you know good player, great player, or do we want someone that's going to come in and and be a leader and help us win a championship? So that's going to be determined by each team. But as far as a trade, I I can't see a trade happening. Um, I mean, they'd have to be 30 games out for me. Uh, for, for them to even trade him because that would just be um, <clears throat> there's too much pride involved uh, with with Mike Rizzo and and everything that they have endured over the years not getting out of the first round of the playoffs st- shutting Steven Strasburg down and the fan sentiment that you know you quit you gave up you, we had an opportunity to win there so I don't see them trading him yeah yeah I, I suppose they want to keep the door open to re-signing him and it makes it maybe easier in their minds if he's with them through the end of the year here so. He's going to get a big contract. We've talked about Manny Machado with you on this show. Let's say let's say we're talking eight to ten year contracts for both those guys for huge money. Which, if you if you had to pick one or the other, which would you feel more comfortable signing for almost a decade? I would I would say Manny Machado um, because of the fact that defensively um, he can be at third base like similar to a, a Nolan Arenado. Um, and I think there's a lot of value in there. Bryce Harper, to me, defensively, it, it's only going to continue to decline. Um, you know, so in, in right field, he's average, slightly above average. Um, you know, you move him to first base, maybe, where, where he would be average, um, or he's a DH. And how does he, you know, come into that you know that role whereas Machado for me not only do you have a guy that can bang offensively but you're going to have a cold club caliber third baseman as well um so for me you know that's where I would I would lead to and I, I just you know I think uh I, I just like Machado as a, as a player all around more than I do Harper and and not to say that Harper's not great and that he's not going to be a hall of famer based on you know the numbers he's going to put up but just my own personal preference in terms of a team context I would want Manny Machado What's gotten into Matt Kemp? Because Matt Kemp went from being a very productive player. I wouldn't say he was bad, but he got he gained weight and and started to bounce around. And I saw it today. He's he's back with the L.A. Obviously, he's hitting three eighteen. Uh, in the turnaround of Matt Kemp, what do we owe that to that he's uh, he's come back so strong after a couple of years that weren't great? I'd say personal pride. I mean, it all started in L.A. for him, and all he ever wanted to do was be a Dodger and. Um, for things to go south the way they did and for him to get traded and moved out as Puig sort of emerged and, and pushed him out as being, you know, the poster boy, the franchise and everything else. And then him kind of going on, um, you know, the wilderness journey, if you will, um, around baseball a little bit with San Diego and Atlanta and everything else. I think, uh, you know, he just, he kind of, uh, kind of lost some motivation to an extent and then getting even getting traded back to LA uh, I talked to him early in the season and he was like honestly 
when they when I got traded back here, they told me that they didn't know if they were just going to be trading me again, flipping me again, or if I'd even go to spring training, you know, with this team. And so they were honest with him and up front, and he took it as an opportunity and, and said, you know, I'm going to get in great shape. Uh, I don't want to embarrass myself if I do come back to L.A. because they know me as, you know, sort of the kid they raised in terms of the fans and, and you know, an MVP type of player would have been the MVP that year if Ryan Braun hadn't, you know, snuck in there with a little PED help and, and won it. I mean, Matt, Matt Kemp had a great year. They were neck and neck. Could have gone to either guy. Um, but the PEDs made the difference for Braun. So you're talking about a guy with a lot of pride and coming back to L.A. didn't want to embarrass himself but wanted a, a second shot at sort of regaining um, the fan base. And, and it's worked out beautifully, not just for him, but for Dave Roberts, who, you know, this has been an embatted team. I mean, with the injuries, you know, Justin Turner starting the season, then Corey Seager goes down, and then you, you have Clayton Kershaw. It's like, okay, it's over. The season's over. Um, and for them to have played 31 and 13 over the last 44 games is just unbelievable. If they win the division, you know, Dave Roberts has got to be National League Manager of the Year. Yeah. Uh, Chris Singleton, do, do you view so the Twins? They did win a game last night, so bravo. Congratulations. Way the to Twins, go, Twins beat the Orioles last night. Um, they have had almost everything you could make a list of before the season to go wrong has gone wrong. Buxton and Sano both in the minor leagues now. Uh, Irvin Santana hasn't pitched. Jorge Polanco's back, but he had an, you know eighty game PED suspension and, and so on. Do you view this season as just a bad blip and good things to come for the next three to five years, or is this more of a red flag season? Uh, you know, the maybe we think. No, I'm I'm still very hopeful of of the Twins. I I like uh, the people you guys have in that organization. I like uh, the players that you have, and obviously. You know, there's going to be some some turnover. There's going to be some money that opens up. I think you know Joe Mauer's a he's a free agent after this year, correct? Yep. Um, that's going to open up some things, and I, I think I, I'm still hopeful. And I, I I think that as well in the division that they could be right ne- next year. I think they could win the division. Um, I do, and it doesn't seem like it right now. But I think with you know a couple of moves, some guys get healthy, some guys um, you know snap out of the funk that that they were kind of in this year and things go well i think that it could be a lot different um you know next year compared to this year uh, chris in, in your time watching baseball is the american league central 2018 the worst dip division that you have seen do you think oh yeah i mean yeah it, it's it's right there it ranks you know right there at the top um this year's there it's i can't it's hard for me to to really watch um, <laughs> watch the game. In fact, the other day, I think the uh, Cubs and Tigers were on, mm-hmm. and I was in the hotel, and I was flipping through games, and I was just like, man, I, I just can't watch the Tigers. Yeah. Like, I, I just, you know, I, I, you know, yeah, there's some interest in the Cubs, but sorry, even that matchup for me at that time of that day, whatever it was, it's like, I can't do it. I, I got to turn on, you know. I think Gardy's, Gardy's done that a few times, getting tossed in the second Laverne inning. Laverne and like, Shirley's I'm, I'm on. on. I got to turn that yeah. on instead. Yeah, you know, House Hunters was on or something. Yeah. Or, you know, Flip or Flop. Um, yeah. So I don't blame I, you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for Gardy getting paid like $3 million a year, he would feel the same way. It's like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not going to do this. this it's is hard absurd. to watch on yeah. a nightly basis, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, Chris Singleton, thank you so much. We'll catch up again next week, man. Safe travels. See ya. All right, guys. Have a great weekend. Thanks. All right, Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. 
Phil Mackey. Poke it out of the bunker, two putt for a 10. You lost the course. And then I lit myself on fire. Judd Zolgad. Am I just getting old and super cranky or old and sort of cranky? Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Minnesota United, they were winners Wednesday night at TCF Bank Stadium. They hit the road now this Saturday. Tomorrow they'll be taking on Houston Dynamo. Tune in at 7.30 for the pre-match show with Brian Pyatt, followed by kickoff 8 o'clock. Dan Terhar on the call. You can get to all the action all season long right here from Minnesota United on 1500 ESPN. Thank you, Dave. I got I got a question for you guys that we didn't get to with Chris Singleton, who, let it be known, just told us the Twins can win the division next year, he said. Well, let's get into that, too. But I just here, here's what I want to ask you guys. Chris Davis, WTF. What happened to Chris Davis? This is a guy, the Twins saw him last night. This is a guy who, not that long ago, led the major leagues in home runs twice in three years. Most recently in 2015. He's not that old. He's 32. Mm-hmm. So it ain't like he's 38 years old and, oh, this is what happens. Jose Batista, you know, Albert Pujols. This guy's in his prime still. Mm-hmm. And he went from third in MVP voting in 2013 when he hit 53 home runs and led the league with 138 RBIs. He batted 286, OPS over 1,000. A couple years later, 47 home runs, led Major League Baseball, OPS over 900. This year, and, the, and there's been a decline over the past couple of years here, like the power numbers have kind of gone down. And this year, he's hitting 152. Slugging 257. He has 13 extra base hits, six doubles, and seven home runs on the season so far. And they've run him out there every day, basically, because they're paying him $23 million a year. Yep. And that's the part that's tough to swallow for the Orioles. They can't just be like, oh, well, this isn't working anymore. They owe him, after this season is over, four years and $92 million. And you thought the Mauer contract was bad at one time. Oh, my goodness. Yes. I have uh, I have absolutely no clue other than have have uh, teams adjusted and have uh, pitchers changed th- their approach to him. But he did have, as you said, he did have an extended period there where he where his uh, home run totals were pretty high. Yeah, and he, so this is know, not just a pop up. This is not just two good years and and then he fell at the table. So I don't know. That's real. That's a dramatic. Uh, that's a dramatic decline, which could cost them a lot of money. But they are awful too. Yeah, like what Baltimore do you do? Is just like, awful. Can you imagine having to pay? I suppose there was a time where a lot of Twins fans were thinking the same thing about Joe. Mauer, but at least even in Joe Mauer's worst seasons, he still at least batted like two seventy, one fifty two, and he'd hit some doubles, and he'd be out there and playing Gold Glove caliber first I base. I don't know. Yeah, I, my theory is if you are a left-handed hitter in today's game, you and I were talking about this before the show, if you're a left-handed hitter and you strike out a lot and you pull the ball all the time and you're pretty much just a one-trick pony, you're just hoping for power, right? The scouting reports and the shifting and everything that goes into getting you out, game planning to get you out, yep. it's, it's at an all-time high level right now. Teams know exactly how to get that left-handed hitter out more now than in 100-plus years of baseball. And so if that's what you are, if you're the left-handed guy, if you're the Logan Morrison, if you're the Chris Davis, and you pull the ball, and you're just just hoping to hit a ball over somebody's head, and they know how to pitch you and shift you and all those things, those types of hitters are becoming extinct almost. With this guy being paid like this, though, 
Lomo is a one-year mistake that you can write off and say, yeah. Thea will uh, will uh, trade you, or you can just leave, or we don't care that much. Yeah, this guy, I the one the one storyline that really intrigues me as far as a scuffling player is Harper, though Bryce Harper's dramatic decline, and he's still hitting home runs to a certain degree. I get that. But his average, they batted him, I want to say I heard a couple days ago on a show that within the last month or two months, he's batted one through five. They can't fit, figure out where to put him. And he hasn't just sort of declined and struggled. He's been in a long, long slump. And once again, is this contract related? Is it? Yeah. Is it teams are adjusting to him? It's because we're talking about a guy who, when, when we talked about uh, his potential free agency in spring training, we were talking about an unbelievable contract. It's possible he's cost himself like a hundred million dollars this year already. So, so to, at, what, to what you yes, just said, at least, yes, you're right. Like he's still a really good player, but what? But right now, if you had to make the decision, you know, how much would you pay him, and how and how many years versus three months ago, answering that same question. Your answer three months ago might have been, well, he's 25. I'd probably pay him for 10 years and, hell, I don't know, $350, $400 million. Let's say you're maybe pushing $40 million. Now you're thinking, well, he's had a couple weird years where he disappears for long stretches and and there's some alarming things here. Like what position does he play in eight or nine years? I don't know. Maybe it's... Two hundred fifty or three hundred million. You you might actually be talking about Maybe. fifty to a hundred million dollars. He's costing who's himself bid? this year. A lot of teams will bid on him. The Yankees, the Cubs want him. The well, the Yankee, the Yankees are to put him at first base because you can't. You got like what are you going to do? You got right now. You got Judge and Stanton in your outfield. You're not going to put Bryce Harper in the center field. They'd yeah, have to put he's one of those guys at first base. He's he's cost himself a lot. Uh, and just back to Dozier quickly too. From what we talked to Dan Hayes about in hour one on the show. You know, this whole thing with his cryptic comments and Dan's gut feeling being that, that he was talking about playing the last year of his contract and all this, it bothers me more and more. It's You're not the first guy to play out his contract. We are now in an era where I think more and more guys are going to have to because teams are smarter. Mm-hmm. Teams don't... This isn't... 1993, where you you looked at a player like Brian and you said, well, he's popular and he's pretty good and he's been an all-star. And you know what? Let's just pay him. When a guy like Dozier comes up for a contract that he thinks he deserves, I think more and more you are going to have teams saying, let's wait and see. And for you then to say, well, that's really affected me all year. Okay, if that affects you, how if that affects you, how effective a player are you when things get really difficult? Yeah, if that's what he means. If that's what he means, right. I, I still think there's a chance he means that there's something going on injury-wise or personal life-wise, but I, but it, the fact that Dan Hayes did the interview and he leans toward contract. That's why I, okay. yes, exactly. But you're right. I mean, in either way, dude, you're, you've made millions. I mean, you haven't made, you haven't made uh, Chris Davis money, but you've made money. Regardless of what happens, you're going to make like 10 plus million dollars next year. So can it, is it weighing, like, is the difference between, oh, man, what if I was 50 versus, you know, 10 and then another contract year coming up? I'm with you. If it's that much of a distraction where you can't produce at the level that you should be yeah, producing you, at, that says functional. a lot of it. Then yes. I, that, that says a lot. Like, I don't want a guy who can't right. figure it out. I don't know. So when, when things get tough, are you just going to say, well, things are too tough now? Yeah. You know, now, if I'm playing in uh, in in July and my team has f- fallen apart, I can start to hit. But if the pressure's on the postseason, now it's difficult. Yeah. 
There's a few. He said a couple tone deaf things in the last year. This whole like I don't want to make excuses, but there's something that's been bothering me, and I'm you know, maybe at some point I'll reveal it. Like that's. But then last year at the trade deadline, when he was one of their weakest links in the first half of the season, and then he rides the front office through the media, saying <laughs> basically saying, you know, you, the front office quit on this team, yeah. and whether that's true or not. Dude, if you had performed at the level that you would be expected to perform at in the first half of the year, then the Twins would have been buyers at the deadline. And then so once like, that was done, guess what? Off. Pressure came off, he got hot. Yeah. Now if he hit, right, and that's kind of the knock on him, right? When yeah. the pressure's off, he hits well, but when there's when it's late and close, he bats 195. Uh it's it's definitely a thing that is on his resume. Let's come back hour left in the final hour, we're going to give away prizes, game show Friday. Uh, we also, when we come back here, Byron Buxton's at AAA Rochester. He's been optioned. He did hit a home run a couple days ago. I, I haven't checked. The, did they play yesterday? I've not checked up on what they did yesterday. I didn't look. Well, we can look. Jake DePew covers the Twins minor league system for 1500ESPN.com, and he caught up with Byron Buxton, who opened up about mechanics and injuries and kind of where he's at, and we'll talk to Jake when we come back here. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studio. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plug Door Chris Howard. University of Michigan QB J.J. McCarthy makes bold predictions but doesn't fulfill them, and Ohio State kicker Noah Ruggles misses an opportunity to etch his name in Buckeye lore. Fans love their teams and the players. That is, until they don't. When it comes to finger-pointing, you'll find no greater antagonist than the fan. Why? Because it means more to them, or so they believe. As a former player, nothing angers me more than armchair charlies accusing the teams of overlooking opponents or blaming players for providing bulletin board material. But leading up to the game, the fan is the one talking the most, boasting the most. When the team is winning, it's a lot of we talk. But when the team loses, it turns into they lost. You will never know what those moments feel like because you didn't put in the work to earn those feelings from those moments. That's the great thing about being part of a team. You win as a team, you lose as a team. We cry, we console our brother, we don't point the finger, we go back to work, back to the early morning workouts, the hill sprints, back to the bleeding noses and broken bones. Why? Because it really means more to us. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. And don't forget BetOnline for NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.